You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, even when it's after midnight, his time after another crappy preseason game. You know him. You love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we are loyal to our listeners, which is why we're up this late after a fifth meaningless preseason game. We'll go through some of the reaction, but how are you holding up over there, bro? I'm good. You know, it, it, you could say a lot of things about me. You can't say I'm not devoted to this podcast yet or covering the Broncos in a sense. It was a pretty boring, I would say, preseason game, even though they put up a record number of points for the preseason. <laughs> yeah. I, it was kind of boring. It was a slogging game. Even the players talked about it. It felt like a while. Even Elway said on the broadcast, it felt like this is just dragged on a bit. Yeah. It's nice now we can finally turn the page, Chad, and focus on week one, focus on the Raiders, the games that count for real. Oh, yeah. We'll dive into it and uh, talk about just kind of what jumped out to us tonight. We're recording this, of course, Thursday night. And uh, some of the at least meaningful takeaways in terms of what it means for the 53. And uh, we'll dive into that, answer some of your questions in the VIP Mile High Mailbag. But first, just a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're new to the show on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell if you want notifications. You're going to get daily podcasts. You're going to get supplemented uh, with videos each and every week, multiple times a week. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you're on iTunes, hey, you still got two days left to get your review in. We're going to give away some swag to an iTunes, Apple Podcast reviewer. So tell us what you think. We want to hear your feedback on the podcast. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. You guys have no idea how much that can help us. Fantasy football fans, you got to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It is absolutely enormous. It's huge. It's season-long. But there's no management. You just set it, you forget it. So instead of agonizing over your lineup every single Sunday, Draft does the analysis for you, gives you the most efficient, best odds to win your matchup lineup week in and week out. You do a draft, 16 weeks later, you could be a millionaire, literally. It does not get any easier than that. It's the highest rated fantasy app, and it's available on the App Store and Google Play or you can just go online to draft.com. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Also, a phenomenal way to support the Huddle Up podcast. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach. We'll uh, get to the mailbag here in just a few minutes, but let's just kind of touch on 
the the main takeaways from the Broncos preseason finale, of course, coming out on top over the Arizona Cardinals, twenty to seven, a barn burner in terms of the uh, offensive <laughs> output here. We got twenty points, two touchdowns on the board, unbelievably. But let's start with first and foremost the quarterbacks. Now going into this game, Vic Fangio said that he was hoping to see one of Kevin Hogan or Brett Rippon create some separation here in the conversation, in the competition for that backup job behind Joe Flacco short-term while Drew Locke heals up. But do you think either one of these guys, you know, there were some bright moments from both, but did either you think create any kind of separation to help the Broncos make their decision? I think it stands where it stood before. I think Kevin Hogan is going to get on this roster only because Drew Locke is injured now and only because he is that veteran presence. I will say this about him. I've given him a lot of crap on Twitter, a lot of crap on the pod. That back shoulder touchdown throw, Chad, was a perfect ball. I mean, he makes some nice throws every now and then. He is playing quarterback in the NFL. So even though he had two picks, I think that touchdown was just enough of what he needed to show for, for the Broncos to rationalize that decision to carry him on the 53. Rippon wasn't bad. He had a pick, no touchdowns, 8 of 11, uh, 86 yards, but he wasn't you know good in, in one way or the other or bad one way or the other. He was just kind of just there. So yeah. Hogan, to me, uh, solidified his place, unfortunately, until Locke comes back. Yeah. I was just happy to see some big plays on offense. You know, we've, we've really not seen that throughout the preseason. I mean, Drew Locke conjured up a few in, during his three games he appeared in, but really it's been dry, dry offensive football. So it was good to see that touchdown to Fred Brown. It was good to see that big, long, well, that, that whole possession in which Kalfani Muhammad rattled off 70 yards rushing and, yep. you know, a few other bright spots. But I can't really disagree with you. You know, Brett Rippon, He's a guy that you stash on the practice squad if someone claims him, oh well, on the waiver wire. But I don't think any he's showed enough in this preseason to really trigger an outside team going, ooh, we got to have that guy. Because remember, if you add someone off, off waivers, you got to put him on the 53. So I think the Broncos can get away with stashing him on the practice squad, waiving him, getting him re-signed to the, to the squad. And as for Kevin Hogan, he will – make the Broncos 53-man roster, but it might only be, Zach, for one day because it's going to depend entirely on what the waiver wire produces. If the Broncos see an opportunity out there with another veteran, someone who can hold a clipboard competently for six to eight weeks potentially that they think is you know, a, a modest step forward over Kevin Hogan, they'll pull the trigger. But at the same time, if it's close to being sixes, the Broncos are going to hedge with the guy who at least knows Rich Scangarello's system. Right, and that's the tough thing. You can't, you know, really bring a guy in in a matter of days, have him learn the offense. God forbid Flacco goes down in Oakland. Then what? You have a guy who's just coming onto the team who has no idea what's going on. Yeah, it, Kevin Hogan really, uh, in at uh, Locke's expense, lucked himself into a spot on the 53. And in terms of Rippon, there's a reason, Chad, why he went undrafted. There's a reason why 32 teams, including the Broncos, passed up on him. Even though they wanted to draft him, supposedly, they didn't. And this is why he was maybe not as ahead in his development as we thought. Maybe we all were collectively a little too gung-ho on him and, and his prospects in Scangarello's offense. But if he can just work magic with Drew Locke, that's the whole project he needs. So as, as that backup quarterback, when he gets healthy, we'll have a good situation there. But yeah, I mean, even just temporarily, Hogan is the backup quarterback. And you have confidence in Joe Flacco. He's not terribly injury prone. As long as that stays that way, you won't have an issue. 
let's talk about some of the other stars from Thursday night's preseason finale and kind of guys who might factor into the future conversation, guys who are going to be a part of that discussion on Saturday, well, tomorrow, tonight, Friday, Saturday, as the Broncos whittle down from their current 87-man roster down to the final 53. Let's first talk about Sua Cravens, who, you know, he had some interesting activity on Twitter this week where he made a curious tweet basically saying, and I'll paraphrase him because I don't have it in front of me, but something to the effect of, if this is my last game, you know, as a Denver Bronco, shout out to Broncos country, this is a great team, yada, yada, yada. He apparently also deleted some past Broncos tweets, I've been told. I I don't really stay on top of Sue Cravens on Twitter, so this is what I've been told. But then he follows it up with pretty, you know, he made a play, but pretty inconsistent game. Uh, against the Cardinals. He had that one massive whiff that he ended up getting bailed out on by Josh Watson, forcing a fumble later on in the play. And then he had that awesome strip play where you saw the physical prowess of, of that he brings to the table, just that raw physical ability. If you can get him together between the ears, you know, and point him in the right direction, he can be a weapon. But I don't, at this stage, Zach, I'm just not sure he's a Fangio guy. Right, and, and the fact that he was playing in the fourth quarter of the fifth preseason game, I don't think that says a lot about his status. And he was clearly on the bubble and still is. And I've been saying it for a while now. I would not be surprised if he's left off. If they want to carry Jamal Carter, he can play inside linebacker and safety. They have Will Parks, who's that dimebacker role. They have plenty of versatile defensive backs. Uh, to me, that with and they called it on the broadcast. I didn't think it was too over the top. They said he has to make that tackle. It's non-negotiable in Fangio's system. So for him to whiff like that so plainly, even though he had a, a nice play later in the game, that might have been the final nail in his coffin. I would not be surprised at all, Chad. In fact, I'm kind of expecting it, him being left off the final roster. What did you think of Demarcus Walker, who, you know, he didn't have any huge splash plays per se in this particular game, but he was he had a few penetrate you know, where he penetrated into the backfield type of plays, I noticed him several times. And when, you know, when you're watching a live broadcast, more often than not, speaking for myself anyway, you're following the ball. And in a preseason game, you might be a little bit more inclined to, you know, focus in on a player or a position group or the line and just watch that. But what I saw from Walker on Thursday night, you know, he's had a, I think as a summer, as a camp, as a preseason all rolled into one, I think it's a pretty authoritative step forward in terms of him showing the Broncos that, look, you know, this is the stars of a line. We've got a competent coaching staff in here now. I can play that five tech. I can rush, uh, you know, and help push the pocket from the defensive interior. Give me another chance. I think he's making this roster, but what did you see from Demarcus Walker tonight? And do you think it was enough to punctuate his, his preseason with a positive note to get him on the 53? I think he's been pretty close to a lock for a while. Fangio's talked him up for a few months now. And from what we can tell, Chad, he's really grown up and taken to the system. And in every preseason game this summer, maybe except for the uh, Seattle game, he's made a play. Every time Walker is on the field, even dating back to the Vance Joseph days, he has made a play. He's gotten to the backfield, had a nice third down pressure today, and he is growing in the system. Is he a starting caliber player just yet? No. Can he replace Derek Wolf right now? Let's say no. But he is definitely grown up. He is making impact plays every single time he's on the field. And you have to at this point, with all the uncertainty and all the different injuries, you have to carry this guy right now and you just got rid of Zach Kerr and that's I think the primary reason is you like this guy's upside and to me it was the right call he just brings much more to the table by the way Keyshawn Bieria who's on that bubble 
you know, he's been in the conversation of could go either way basically throughout the summer. He literally, in those four quarters of relatively pedantic football, did not even make the stat sheet, did not tally a single tackle. I don't know exactly how many snaps he got because we don't have the game book quite yet at the time that we're recording this, but I don't see any reason why the Broncos should carry Keyshawn Bieria. Now, he, he brings some special teams value in terms of his experience there. I mean, that's how he stayed on the roster last year, but if I'm formulating this 53... I'm going behind Todd Davis, behind Josie Jewell. I'm going with Alexander Johnson, and I'm going with Josh Watson, and I'm just yep. I'm not looking back. I'm with you on that. I didn't like the Bay Area pick when it was made. I didn't like him last year. I don't like him this summer. He he really is not, and nothing personal, no disrespect. He's just not a, a standout player. He doesn't do anything spectacularly. He's a, he's a jag, and the Broncos can get by and not waste another roster spot and hopefully not carry six inside linebackers either. You know, Todd Davis's injury complicates things, and Josie Jewell was banged up. Joe Jones was banged up, but I don't want them to be that top-heavy. But I'm with you. I, I like Josh Watson. He's another guy that's been making plays this summer, always around the football. And then you have Alexander Johnson, who's almost the veteran presence, even though he hasn't been in the NFL that long. He's just been around the game that long, and he, he kind of carries himself like a veteran player. So when you have all those different types together, you can get by with that unit. Let's talk about Mike Purcell, who – Again, me watching this game, I'm mostly following the ball, and the big fella, very disruptive. In fact, he reminds me a lot, his his performance this preseason, reminds me a lot of the performance Shelby Harris had two preseasons ago in his first year in Denver after the Broncos had signed him in the spring of 2017 on a futures deal. He came in and was just disruptive. He was a penetrating force and something to be reckoned with. And he landed on the roster in that opening game. He blocks the field goal in the Chargers game to seal the victory for the Broncos. And, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that kind of glory is going to end up coming Purcell's way, but I think he provides some more, significantly more utility than Deshaun Williams. And right now, you know, you're three, four days removed from cutting Zach Kerr. You need some beef. You need some girth on the, at that defensive nose tackle position. I'm going with, at this point, I don't see any reason why you would you would take Deshaun Williams over Mike Purcell. I think Mike Purcell has made this roster. Yeah, I think the stat sheet proves that too. He had four tackles tonight, and Deshaun Williams only had two tackles. And I can never really remember a time where Williams uh, stood out to me. But I can remember, like you said, Chad, Purcell penetrating and making plays and hovering around the football. Uh, just his stats are alone and the way he kind of plugs the run and uh, his hair, he reminds me a lot of Domata Pecco, but if they can just get a, a run-stuffing presence in the middle, and I'm with you, he adds a little bit of pass-rushing technique that Zach Kerr wasn't offering. That and Demarcus Walker and Shelby Harris and the rest, you really have a well-rounded unit. So I'm with you. I really do hope uh, that Purcell makes a 53. Let's take one last look here at circle back to just implications on Lyndon Stevens, who... You know, Horace Richardson, I think, had made himself – he had built a case for the roster. But I was really impressed by Stevens in this preseason finale. I don't think it's going to be quite enough for him, unfortunately, to make the, the 53-man roster. But he's a guy that you like to have on the practice squad in case someone gets banged up in season. And I think the same goes for Holder. Even though Holder, of course, is probably a lot more raw in terms of – you know, he's just not as polished quite yet as Stevens. Holder did get that interception, but – what were your thoughts on those two young corners? I mean, Trey Johnson burned left and right, but what were your thoughts on Holder and Stevens? 
Yeah, the, the trio kind of struggled, uh, you know, individually this this preseason and collectively when they were in the game and they were the quote unquote starting unit. Um, I like Holder a little more, you know, than uh, Stevens. I think he has a little more upside in this scheme. I think he fits a little better. Uh, they're far from being starting caliber players. They're far from being on the 53. But as a practice squad, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, you can have developmental projects there, and you never know with injuries, and they can, you know, be seeing regular season time very soon. All right, last thing I want to touch on is Malik Reed and Justin Hollins. Malik Reed, of course, was a, just a wrecking ball. Two, two more sacks, so he officially finishes the Broncos preseason as the leader in sacks with four. Missed the previous game and was just a dominant factor in this one. Justin Hollins playing a little off ball, playing a little edge. I think the Broncos are going to, of course, carry both those guys with Hollins being classified in terms of roster math as an outside linebacker behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. It's been so nice to see Justin Hollins grow up the last few weeks, hasn't it, Chad? I, I, he really struggled the first two games. He really struggled in training camp, adapting to inside linebacker and balancing that role at outside linebacker. The last couple of weeks, though, he's like been a new player, a new man, and he's. Uh, I think the game is slowing down. I know he's still a rookie. It's still the preseason, but the game is slowing down incrementally for him right now, and he's just making plays. He's sideline to sideline right now, and that wasn't really his skill set, but he's providing that. So it gives them a little more confidence with Davis's injury and, and Jewel being a, a a starter and his injury it gives him a little more confidence there uh, I do like that and the depth he provides all right so that uh, I'm trying to think in terms of implications here let's let's look at the offensive line I think Elijah Wilkinson once again kind of an up and down performance from him but I'll be you know on the up and up here I, I wasn't paying absolute close attention to the offensive line the entire night especially on individual performances but I saw a few plays obviously where he gave up pressure I didn't see a whole lot that I loved about Jake Rogers, who was basically pushed Mm-mm. around by former Awful. Bronco Vontarius Dora in the first half especially. But what did you see anyone on that offensive line? Because they finally got some movement in the running game in the second half, which is the first time we've really seen it from these backup guys all preseason. You had Muhammad make a push. We'll talk about Muhammad as well. Uh, but did you see anything from this offensive line, whether it be from Schlopman, whether it be yep. from Sam Jones, either of those tackles? Uh, Slowman definitely stood out. I wouldn't say stood out, but he was consistent. You didn't hear his name. And and for an offensive lineman, if you don't hear their name, they're doing something right. And to your point, Chad, Jake Rogers was constantly having his name being called out. He was getting beat left and right by by opposing linemen. He's just not cut out to play, and he will be among the first round of cuts, I believe. But none really stood out greatly to me, but, but I think Schlotman was among the better ones that were just consistent tonight. I'm torn on the Kalfani Muhammad situation because I don't think the Broncos I don't know. I'm I'm doubtful, let me put it that way, that the Broncos will be able to sneak him on to a practice squad. And you know, look, Devontae Booker, they obviously have kind of spoken with how they feel about him by not dressing him in these key games that they've rested starters. But if I'm in that room, I'm standing on the table and I'm saying, look, let's go with Kalfani Muhammad. We know what Devontae Booker is. Bless his heart. You know, former fourth-round pick and uh, in a contract year. Let's cut him loose. He's going to get picked up immediately off waivers. Let's go with the upside potential here. We've got a, two dynamic running backs in Phillip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. we got Theo Riddick coming back maybe halfway through the season. I'm ready to turn the page. If Even if it means pack, you know moving on from Devontae Booker, I would advocate for Kalfani Muhammad. However... I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Broncos are going to stick with those three running backs and, 
you know, especially with the way the roster math might shake out with the injuries to both Theo Riddick and Andy Janovich, I think the Broncos play it conservative. But what were your thoughts and, and what are your thoughts on Kalfani Muhammad? Man, Chad, I'm right there with you on all of this. I, I do think that, let me put my tinfoil hat on for a second. I do think the only reason they didn't dress Booker is they really can't risk him now with Riddick injured. I think he was on the way out, and, and Riddick was looking pretty sharp on the field in that role. And Elway tonight on the broadcast mentioned that uh, IR, short-term IR, is a possibility for Riddick. So we'll have to monitor that. Muhammad, he's been a guy who was kind of upstaged by Devontae Jackson opened the preseason, but he's just been blowing by him. He, he's just a, uh, a really, really glitchy kind of player. Fast twitching, stop-start ability is on point. Very fun to watch. I'm with you, though. I don't really know they can cut Devontae Booker at this point and then bring a guy on like a following Muhammad. And, you, and you're in that t- catch-22 because you can't really hide him on the practice squad either. Because you're right, he'll probably get snatched up after this preseason. I'm with you. I, my heart and my brain tell me two different things, and my brain's telling me that you know Booker will win out. All right, last question as it relates to the Thursday night game, this, the preseason finale. What are the Broncos going to do with the fifth wide receiver spot and then also the punt returner? Is it going to be you know, River Craycraft? Is it going to be McKnight? Is it going to be someone that's currently off the roster? Because I actually liked what I saw from River Craycraft in the receiving game. He, you know, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a traditional quintessential slot receiver who can find that soft spot he's got a little just enough wiggle to him you put him in there with a competent quarterback and I think he can make some hay you can trust him to field the punt he might not be a guy that's going to be a threat to break one off every time but if I'm in that room as much as I like seeing what I did from McKnight trying to make some you know something out of nothing on his punt returns in the second half I'm going with Jawan Winfrey despite Fred Brown's strong finish to the preseason I'm going Juwan Winfrey at that fifth wide receiver spot. Nothing has changed there. And I'm just going with River Craycraft unless a clearly evident upgrade presents itself on the waiver wire. Yeah, put it this way. I like Craycraft more as a receiver, and I like McKnight more as a punt returner. But ultimately, I don't think the punt returner is on this this team right now, Chad. I think that's going to be among the players that Elway's going to pluck off the scrap heap because none of them really stood out. Uh, Craycraft, I don't mind in that position because he at least has sure hands, and after what we've seen the last couple years, that's all they could really ask for. He's not very dynamic. He doesn't really do a lot. McKnight is a little more dynamic, but do you bring on a guy who has no really uh, value to the offense to only have one role on the team? It's a tough position. Ultimately, I agree with you. I think it'll be Winfrey, then Craycraft, right out the receiving core. And for what it's worth, before we turn the page, the Broncos' coverage units on punts especially was significantly improved, I think, in the preseason finale, though, you know, that's a – the jury's still out on that particular facet of the Broncos right now with uh, the problems Tom McMahon has had this preseason. Now, we still got a couple of questions we want to answer in this week's mailbag. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Men, it's a harsh reality, but many of us are struggling or will soon be struggling with hair loss. And I'm one of them. I'm a 39, almost 40-year-old man, and I started thinning out a little bit in my late 20s, and it's only gotten a little bit progressively worse the older I've gotten. And I'm more fortunate than some guys. I still do have hair on top. I like to buzz it, but hey, it's, it's a problem for me as well. But here's the thing. Two out of three of us men will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the age of 35. But here's the good news. Keeps. Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. Keeps has revolutionized the way that men are treated for hair loss. You used to have to make an appointment, go to the doctor, 
but not with keeps. Visit a doctor online, have your medication delivered to your home. No waiting rooms, no pharmacies or checkout lines. It gets delivered discreetly right to your home. Prevention is key. Keeps treatments really work. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and even stopping future hair loss and to even take it to the next level. Many men even experience hair regrowth with the treatment. Process is simple. Log on to keeps.com, that's K-E-E-P-S.com, and click Get Started. Choose the plan that fits you or let a Keeps doctor help you decide. Answer a couple of questions and you're on your way. It's easy. If you're ready to take action, like I did, I have a special offer for you. Go to keeps.com slash overtime and receive your first month of treatment free. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash overtime. Keeps has more five-star reviews than their competitors and nearly 100,000 men. So head over to keeps.com slash overtime and receive your first month of treatment free. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash overtime. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach, it is that time of the week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And, you know, we didn't, uh, now that I think about it, I, don't, I didn't put a call out on Twitter. So we'll just go with what we got here from our great community of listeners on YouTube. And let's start with an interesting one. We haven't talked about it yet. It ties into uh, Thursday night's preseason finale. This comes from Nevitz4433 on YouTube. He says, is Colby Wadman punting for his football life on Thursday? So this came a day before the game. What is the realistic chance we try to snag an upgrade at that position? Our punt coverage itself sure looks to be a concern, but more consistent punting would help, no doubt. No doubt it would, but I think Wadman performed very well in the finale, mm-hmm. kind of steadied things out. I think he calmed yep. things. Good punters don't grow on trees. That's one of the problems. And I think that for better or for worse, Wadman is kind of McMahon's guy. And so long as McMahon's a special teams 
coordinator, which he's going to be this year, I think this is Wadman's job. But take some encouragement. I, I would say, Zach, take some encouragement from those two punts on Thursday night that he pinned them. The first one, uh, I think it was Trey Marshall wasn't quite able to down it inside the five. And then on the second one, he got a he, he just bounced it perfectly and they were able to down it inside the 10. Yeah, Chad, I agree on both counts there. Uh, Wadman is, is his ride or die for McMahon. And as long as, like you said, as long as he's there, I don't think he's going anywhere. If they wanted to replace Wadman, they had many chances this offseason. But uh, I think they'll stick with him. I think for the first, maybe for the first eight weeks of the season, like kind of like last year with Marquette King. That came out of nowhere, too, and that's also why I say I wouldn't rule out a punting move. I just don't think it'll happen off the scrap heap after final cuts. If they would replace Wadman, it would be because he bombed in the regular season, and that's not uh, out of the realm of possibility for sure. But like you said, he had a nice uh, performance tonight. He kind of gave himself some momentum heading into week one, so I think he'll stay for now. All right, here's one from JL Avenger 23 great listener down in Costa Rica. He says, hi, guys. Thank you for all your hard work for Broncos country. If Drew Locke does not go on IR, can he be on the roster as a QB even if he is QB3 for now? And what about Orson Charles? Any news there? Would you keep Jake Butt on the team? He is just too much of a wasted roster spot, personally speaking. A mile-high salute from San Jose, Costa Rica. Welcome to paradise anytime. Hey, that's a Green Day song. Um, look, here's the thing. Drew Locke, I think they did a pretty good job on the Denver broadcast, for those of you who were able to watch the Denver broadcast on Thursday night, to illustrate that, you know, there's, especially when Mike Kliss was up there, and we've been talking about this on the podcast for a while now, one of the downsides if you put Drew Locke on IR is, yeah, you can bring him back eight weeks in. However, you miss out on... You, you, you curb his development because he's not able to participate in all of the football activities that his teammates are able to. If you're on IR, you're limited. I'm not exactly sure all the details on that, but he's limited in terms of practice. We know that. He's limited in terms of where what meetings he can attend. So if you don't want to upset that apple cart and you want to give him and expose him to every opportunity possible to continue to get better, even while he's healing, you just got to bite the bullet and carry him on the 53. That means you are locked in to carrying three quarterbacks on this roster, Zach. And you know what? If Kevin Hogan's your short-term backup, you make hay as best you can. Hopefully you don't have to turn to him. Broncos, as we talked about earlier in the show, though, they're going to be combing that waiver wire looking for upgrades at the backup quarterback position. And then at the tight end thing, Zach, and then I'll serve this over to you, Orson Charles, Jake Butt. I think at this stage the Broncos, you know what? You just got to put Jake Butt on injured reserve. And in order to do that, he has to make the 53-man roster. Then you put him on IR the next day, opens up a roster spot. Orson Charles, I'm not convinced, is the guy that ends up benefiting from this. I haven't seen anything from him in the two games he's been a Bronco. Uh, in terms of Drew Locke, I, I, if it was up to me, I would carry him on the 53. For the, just the reason that you laid out, I want him to practice. I want him to still participate. And I don't think his injury is going to cost it. It was going to be span eight weeks in the regular season. On the other hand, I wish Denver wasn't so secretive about how long he's going to be out and kind of be a little more specific as to what he's dealing with. All we know is it's a bad spring. But is that, you know, is that an eight-week injury? Is that going to keep him out half the season? If it's not, if he can come back week four, week five, then roll with him on the 53. And as soon as he's healthy, you cut uh, Kevin Hogan, you free up a roster spot, and you go from there. In terms of Orson Charles, he showed me nothing tonight. He really hasn't showed me anything. He was just a veteran camp body. Uh, if Butt does go on IR, which I think will happen now after his latest setback, it would just benefit the other tight ends more on the roster right now, especially Troy Fumagalli, 
who's been the only consistent player on the field this preseason getting the most work. I think he's going to be in for somewhat of a leap. But then you have Noah Fan, who's who's has a minor ankle sprain. Fortunately, that's not that bad. And then Jeff Hireman. So it's not going to benefit Charles. It'll just benefit the, the tight ends they already have on the roster. And for what it's worth, Noah Fant did return to practice earlier this week. They just kept him limited. They knew he wasn't going to play Thursday night. So he's going to be a full go for week one. So don't worry about Noah Fant in terms of availability. But, you know, that whether or not the Broncos end up carrying four tight ends or not, I think they kind of have to because of their fullback situation. And all I'm saying is with regard to Orson Charles being that fourth guy, if Buck goes on IR, I'm not sure that's how it's going to shake out. But... You know, if, if you're looking at it from path of least resistance type thing, he's been in Denver now a couple of weeks. He's already there. The Broncos might just say, you know what, we'll make do uh, with what we have. Four guys. Charles is that last guy. He can play fullback till Jano's healthy, and you know, let's just let's just get into this season and and see what happens. Now, a couple more questions here, and then we'll get out of here. Now, we're not going to get to every question here in the mailbag, but we will circle back on uh, the gut reaction to the final 53-man roster. Any questions we miss here, we'll tackle them there. But here's two more, Zach. This one's from Kaimana Wilson on YouTube. Could you see us bringing in one or two middle linebackers, inside linebackers? If so, who are some guys that would be good fits? Zach, on this, I'm not going to go into the weeds in terms of guys, but here's what I will say. I think the Broncos, are. that's one of those positions where they're either going to carry, go long and carry maybe up to five inside linebackers on the active roster, and if they do, I think that benefits Keyshawn Bieria. If they end up carrying four out of uh, you know Saturday's cutdowns, I think that that's one of those positions they're going to be combing the waiver wire, just looking to see if any anybody squirts out that they think would be a good fit in the system, anyone that might have past ties to Fangio. But we got to remember, Joe Jones, you know, he's still out there, and so it kind of muddies the water. So many injuries this this year, this summer, that has just muddied the water as it relates to us trying to project what the Broncos are going to do with the fifty three. It's almost impossible, and, and Elway uh, on the broadcast pretty much admitted that. He said that, in other words, the Broncos are going to sign multiple outside players that other teams cut, and he specifically mentioned the lack of depth and in the injuries to inside linebacker. So if there's one outside addition that I feel the Broncos will make, it's going to be an inside linebacker, only because they need it. They're just losing bodies left and right right now, and the Todd Davis injury was a lot worse than they let on. He had a, Either he had a setback or it wasn't – uh, healing properly, but they need some bodies there. And if they go long, Jamal Carter's a possibility, area, like you said. But if there's one player they're going to bring in, I think they're going to look for a veteran inside linebacker and a move they should have done three, four months ago in free agency, longer than that. I, we've been saying on the podcast that depth could be an issue and they need some sort of veteran guy behind Josie Jewell, a young starter. You can believe that if, in fact, Todd Davis is unable to go opening night in the black hole, John Gruden and Derek Carr, they're going to be going hard after those inside linebackers because it's going to be Josie Jewell. It's going to be Anthony, or excuse me, Alexander Johnson. It is late. Bear with me here, guys. So that's who the starters would be, you know, at least if, if Todd Davis is unable to go. That gives me some doubts, some misgivings. You know, I worry a little bit about that, but Todd Davis just needs to get healthy. And if it was Joe Jones, you guys know how much I'm a fan of Joe Jones. I think he's an underrated player. But I think he's going to be, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what the Broncos end up doing with him. Unfortunately, he's another guy that you can't put on the pup. So it just just muddied water at that position. But Zach's right. The Broncos are going to sign someone there. And uh, we'll see who it ends up being. Look for someone out there that hits the wire that has some kind of tie or has been on a roster that 
Vic Fangio has coached in years past. All right, last question that we got to get out of here for tonight because it's late for us. It comes from D. Brown. He says, do you guys think that there will be a surprise cut other than the guys who already got cut? Zach, my answer to D. Brown, we've already touched on this. I think the biggest surprise cut that could be coming down the pike is Sua Cravens. Yeah, I'm with you there. Other than that, the Broncos roster is so injury riddled right now that you can't project one thing one way or the other. We've been saying it that he's not a lock. We've been kind of warning our listeners not to pencil him in. And it's not even uh, tentative. It's beyond that. He was clearly on the roster bubble, and I think it's going to pop for him, and he'll be left off ultimately. One other guy I'll throw out there, and this is not a bold prediction, but just with how well Kalfani Muhammad has played, we touched on this earlier in this conversation, but Devontae Booker, I wouldn't be stunned if he ended up as a surprise cut just because of how strong Kalfani Muhammad's been this summer. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. And the Theo Riddick, that signing, I mean, the, the plan was, I think, to bring Riddick on. And if he performed well, they would have cut Devontae Booker. Again, though, injuries just muddy the waters here. And unfortunately, it seems like the Broncos are going to lose a really good player in either Muhammad or Booker. So it's just, you know, pick your poison. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast, your gut reaction to the preseason finale. But listen up, here's a couple things you guys need to know. First and foremost, as it relates to programming, Zach and I, usually you guys will wake up on a Saturday morning and you're going to have a podcast waiting for you, whether it's us or Building the Broncos. Usually it's Building the Broncos on a Saturday. However, what we're going to do is we're going to wait to see what the final cuts do on Saturday. The deadline's 2 p.m. Mountain Time on uh, Saturday afternoon. So we're going to wait to see how that resolves. Then Zach and I are going to get together that afternoon immediately following the deadline, and we're going to record a, a reaction pod to that final 53. And, and you know, it's going to be a short-term 53 because Sunday you'll see the Broncos make more moves in terms of the waiver wire. But you'll get a podcast Saturday is what we're getting at here. But it's going to be a little bit later on in the day, so look for that. And then as it relates to the Fantasy Football League that we are organizing led here by my partner Zach Kelberman, He's going to be announcing some things on Twitter. So make sure you are following Zach on Twitter at KelbermanNFL. Follow the podcast account at HuddleUpPod. You can find myself at Chad and Jensen. And then stay tuned the next couple of days, man. They're going to be hot and heavy news flying all over the place. So stay locked in. Make sure you're following all of us on our social accounts. Bookmark MileHighHuddle.com because we're going to be cranking out the news left and right. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.